Welcome to the C3 Church Watson Podcast. Our vision is to connect you to Jesus, develop you as a follower of Christ, and empower you to build the church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Last week, Tim kicked us off on our new series called SatNav, or Satellite Navigation, SatNav. So um, it's a great series. If you didn't hear that one, to get the ball rolling, feel free to jump onto our website or onto iTunes and search for us and uh, have a listen. You know, we all need a solid guidance system. That's what this whole series is about. Um, Has anyone here in the room ever made an error of judgment? Just me? Oh, no, no, there's a few, yeah. Anyone ever found yourself in a place in your life where you go, how did I end up here? I don't want to be here. What am I doing here? Um, Yeah, so just like any navigator, we need reference points and some sort of guidance system to help us out to keep us on track. And that's what this this series is all about, is sort of getting some guidance and, and feeling like, you know, life's a bit complex at times. It can get a bit overwhelming. Too much choice. I once walked down a supermarket aisle in the USA and there were like 50 different kinds of cornflakes. Inside the box, they're all just bits of corn crushed into flakes. But, you know, so many brands and so many. I'm like, wow, is this a whole aisle of cornflakes? Oh, no, here's some rice bubbles. And, wow, there's 50 types of them too. Wow. You know, too much choice, overloaded with choice. So hopefully this um, series is helping you and will help you. So first of all, I want to talk about having an overarching vision for your life. Um, Because, you know, sometimes we get... We get busy in the minutiae and we're busying ourselves with the tiny little detailed choices when we haven't yet said, who am I? What am I good at? What what should I be doing? What's my big picture? So I'd say, cart before the horse, let's get things back the right way around. And first of all, think about the overarching vision for your life. When I was doing prac as part of a uni course on a farm... I learned to drive a tractor so that I could plough fields. And um, the farmer told me that I needed to turn around and get straight again for for the next pass down the paddock. And I needed to focus on some point that I chose off in the distance on the other side of the paddock. And while driving, don't look down at the steering wheel, while driving, focus on that point. And that was the way that I would plough a nice straight line... And that would mean two things. First of all, (laughs) it was neater. But second of all, when you don't, you drive a line that goes like this. And there's a bit in the middle here, shaped like that, that gets missed. So you make sure you do everything, get all the paddock ploughed, and have a nice straight line. So to, to stay on track and keep straight, I had to focus on what's up ahead. You see where I'm going? So last week, Tim talked about keeping our eyes on God so he could make our paths straight. And that the non-wandering version of life, the non-wandering version, with fewer ups and downs, is actually achieved by having something clear to look to. So another way of saying that is found in the Bible, in Proverbs 29 and verse 18, and it says, without a vision, people perish. And if you translate that thoroughly, it means without, without a moral true north 
established by hearing sound doctrine and prophetic words and a God plan for the future to look at while living, while we're driving along, we will go off course, we'll wander around aimlessly and worst case scenario, we'll even fall away from faith. Because this verse comes from a period in Israel's history where the prophets who were the only sort of preachers were silent. They weren't saying anything. So there was no what we've got here, bringing people back to True North once a week at church. There was none of that. And there was no specific word to a person. Hey, this is what you're like and these are the sorts of things you should be doing. Like a specific word I just had then. A prophetic word. There was none of that and there was no preaching either. There was nothing. The sound of silence. The sound of one hand clapping. That's the sound of one hand clapping. It does make a sound. Never mind. Moving on. Some people found it funny, but not everybody. (laughs) Tough crowd. Um, And so the guidance system was broken. And the whole nation was going off the rails. That's when that was written. Without a vision, the people perish. So part of making good decisions about, you know, what to accept and what what new commitments to take on as we travel along, um, what decisions... What direction to choose um, can be sort of going to God and just sorting out this God plan for us. You know, um, our personal vision for us as a person, for our life. Um, It's not actually referent to anyone else. It's not, well, I'll do this because he's doing that. Well, it's nothing to do with him. It's just you, just you and God. Um, And it's not about, not only is it not about comparison, it's definitely not about competing with anyone. Well, I've got to have a cooler vision than him. Or, you know, my vision's not as good as hers. It's not comparative at all. Um, it'll just be what suits you well, what helps you to thrive, what helps you to succeed, and what God has in his heart for you to do. The Bible says before you were even conceived, he had things in his heart for you to do. That's what it'll be. You'll arrive at there. And by the way, it's not sort of cooked up in a microwave in a couple of minutes. You know, it takes some time of sitting with God and listening to him and writing stuff down and refining it as you go. Over a process of a period of time, you develop this God plan for you, this clear picture of a big picture. Not what will I do tomorrow, but what am I doing with my life? Cool. So if you've never done that before, I encourage you to do that as a first step. Well, I'm going to set aside some time. I'm going to sit down with God and I'm going to work out what is this big thing? What is my big picture? Pastor Phil Pringle, who founded and established C3 Church in Australia, um, has taught for decades that it's much easier to steer someone when they are moving. Just like it's really hard to steer your car when it's stationary, but so much easier if it's moving even slowly. You know, if you are stuck in indecision and too many decisions to make and you can't make any of them and you're frozen in place, it's very hard for God to steer you. So he's been, he's been preaching for decades, just do something, choose something and go. Because then once you're moving, it's easier to change direction and steer you than if you're just sitting there. So, you know, if you've been weighing up the pros and cons of something for 44 times over or whatever, the word for you today might be just go, do, do something, choose. Get into it and God will steer you as you go. Fantastic. 
So yeah, an overarching picture, a big, big picture vision for you. And then as you're traveling along with that in mind, looking at it in the future and steering towards it, there's the check-in. You know, like when you're driving along, your GPS in your phone or your nav, nav man or, or whatever is every now and again, every few seconds or whatever, it's going, whoop, whoop, checking in with the satellite. This is the check-in. So you've got your big picture and you're traveling, but then you do a check-in with God as you go along. While you're doing that, don't forget there are parameters that God will never, repeat never, depart from. If it's nice and clear in his written inspired word already, he's not going to add any more detail. You know, so, um, for example, ooh, should I leave my spouse and run off with that other person? You don't need any further clarification. It's nice and clear. Nice and clear. God doesn't work outside of this. And, you know, this is not everything. It didn't tell me what to eat for breakfast. I checked. Had a good look through. Wasn't in the Old Testament. Thank goodness. <laughs> be some sort of slaughtered bull or something. Uh, it didn't tell me what job to take. It didn't tell me who to marry. It didn't tell me where to live. It didn't tell me what school to send my kids to. Right? So it's, this is not everything, all the decisions you have to make. But like Tim was saying last week, it's a set of guiding principles that are really, really helpful and instructive when you're making those other decisions. So if you get the guiding principles right, then you're pretty right. So, for, you know, absolutely check. <laughs> Does it align with the guiding principles in here? If not, reject. Move on. That'd be a good thing. Don't use one verse out of context to justify what you wanted to do anyway. Don't do that. No, no, no. Um, but, but, you know, if there's someone in your life, a pastor, a friend, a mentor, who you think understands the guiding principles in here better than you do, feel free to go to them and say, hey, listen, can I just bounce something off you? I'm thinking this because of the, you know, I understand that the guiding principles are this. So this is my choice and I'm thinking that because of that. What do you think? And let them say... I agree, I think the guiding principles are just what you said, so good choice. And hopefully if they're really experienced, they won't actually tell you what to do, but they will confirm where they think you're on the right track. Right, so there's heaps of these small decisions along the way. 50 gazillion worthy causes you could give to, you know, uh, a million um, worthy organisations you could volunteer for. You know, what should I do? What are my priorities and how, how much should I do of anything? Uh, should I get involved or not? Um, the check-in. The check-in. Lord, what should I do? What should I do? Should we go with worthy cause A or worthy cause B? God might surprise you and answer with neither. Why don't you take someone out to dinner instead? What? Has God lost his holiness or something? No, it can actually be quite a holy thing to take your spouse out to dinner. Trust me. It's true. You're looking at me like you don't believe me. Um, sometimes in response to your check-in, instead of answering the question, God might frustratingly seem to avoid it and instead show you something in your own heart. And he might say, the only reason you want to give to that organisation is out of a guilt compulsion. That's a really negative motivator. So don't or don't now. Or give, wait and give to something else or whatever when you've got your, the motive for giving right. Um, Sorry, it's a bit heavy, but, you know, 
sometimes he answers like that. He doesn't even answer the question. (laughs) Hang on, did you listen? I asked you something else. Never mind. Um, So, or, or, sometimes you ask him, you check in, Lord, what should I do? And he gives you a strong sense of one or the other. And you just go, well, now that I've asked and I've got this sense in my spirit, I feel like it's option B. So I'll just do that. And that's practice. You, you learn how that, I want to use the word feels, but it's not really a feeling. It's a sense in your spirit, which is different to your feelings. I didn't feel like worshipping this morning. I didn't feel like walking the dog this morning, but I did all those things. So it's not feelings. It's different, but it, it is a sense in your spirit that confirms his spirit and your spirit kind of line up and agree. And that has a certain feeling with it. And you just practice that and you get better and better at it. So that when I stand up here and go, there's a person with a problem in their ankle, I don't go, oh, but I wonder if it's, I wonder if it's right. Because I just, I just trust it because I know how it feels. Because it's his spirit talking to me. Cool. So you can just practice that and just, it just comes. Um, he can confirm things through all sorts of other ways. Like he, he could answer the question when you check in. Should I? Should I, Lord? Should I give something to this organization or not? Randomly... A very short time later, a couple of days later, you might be chatting to a friend and they might just talk your ear off about how much of a difference this organisation's made in their life. You've known them for 10 years, they've never mentioned it before. And they happen to mention it just after you've prayed and asked for guidance. Not a coincidence. God's answering you. He can answer you when you're reading this. You can just be doing your regular reading in the afternoon. And a verse can just jump off the page and smack you between the eyes and you can go... Well, I've read that passage a hundred times, but was that verse always there? You know what I mean? Like, has that ever happened to somebody? And you just go, wow. And it's exactly about what I was just asking for direction for. Oh, thank goodness. He can answer you like that. In Leviticus 8.8, we could just bring that up on the screen there, guys. There's this interesting idea from the Old Testament. He put the breastplate on him, him being the high priest. He's got this weird breastplate thing that he wears and he put the urm and the thummim in the breastplate the urm and the thummim it's kind of like a kind of like a red light green light scenario kind of like a yes no thing Um, almost like tossing a coin heads or tails so you take the the green rock and the red rock and you put them inside the breastplate and then you pray and you say god well there's an example later in the old testament of a king saying am i at fault or are the people at fault well, there's only one way to find out, really, that's impartial, because, you know, I realize I've got a conflict here. So they put the Urim and Thummim in there, and they pray and they say to God, if it's, if it's me that's at fault, let it be Urim. If it's the people that's at fault, let it be Thummim. And he pulls it out, it's Urim. Okay, fine. Okay, I'm at fault. And then, so then the king repents. Weird guidance system, don't you reckon? Who's glad we're not in the Old Testament anymore? Yeah, but we've got something very, very similar right now. Very similar, not the same, but similar. We've got red light, green light on the inside. So God can confirm or reject something that you're asking him about with that sense that we were just talking about. So let's just explore a little bit what it might look like. Colossians 3 verse 15 in the Amplified Bible uh, says, Let the peace, soul harmony which comes from Christ rule, act as umpire, continually in your hearts not in your mind in your hearts deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds in that peaceful state 
How'd you like to be able to decide all questions that arise in your minds? Wouldn't that be great to be able to do that? Apparently, this is the mechanism, the Urm and Thummim equivalent. See, I can't even say it now. Uh, the peace that comes from Christ acts like an umpire for you. So you say, God, should I or shouldn't I? And have you ever heard a Christian say the phrase, we were going to do this, but we just couldn't get a peace about it, so we didn't do it after all. Or we weren't sure whether or not to do this, but we got a real peace about it, so we're going to proceed and we're going to do that. This is what they're talking about, this verse. Peace, acting like an umpire. Yes, no. Have you got a peace about it? After you've asked, after you've checked in, have you got a peace about it? That's the modern equivalent. Thank goodness it's not rocks in a breastplate. Right, I reckon God's a good father. He says, he describes himself as a good father, and he reckons he's pretty good, and I reckon he's pretty good too. And so I would think if my children came to me and said, Dad, I'm just not sure what to do, and I need your help, and I just went, work it out yourself, not answering, sorry. I would feel that that's like bordering on child abuse. God's a good father. His natural, normal response is to be responsive and to say something and to show us and to help us. So he doesn't want to leave us stranded. So when we're checking in with the Satnav as we travel along, he will answer. He will answer. But don't write him off when you haven't even taken five minutes to sit down and pray and check in with him. Like you haven't even put it to him. You know, don't go, well, you know, I don't know what to do. Have you asked? Have you asked the Lord? Maybe just ask the Lord. See what happens. And at times when you check in, God does stay silent. You know, sometimes when I say to him, God, should I wear the red socks or the blue socks? He doesn't say anything back. And I go, God, have you deserted me? No, he just doesn't care. <laughs> Whichever. Just choose. Um, it's, it, so sometimes when God doesn't respond... If you're really immature as a believer, you can fall into the trap of starting to make stuff up. You know, well, I just really feel like uh, it was the Red Sox, so, you know, and then that gets exaggerated too. And the Lord told me to wear these red socks. Don't, don't do that. You don't have to do that. There's enough real to this thing. You don't have to make anything up. You know, God can tell me that someone's worried about a family member before I even arrive at the service, knowing in advance who's going to be here. So, you know, there's enough real that we don't have to make stuff up. So you don't have to make stuff up. That gives all Christians a bad name when there's someone who's saying, the Lord told me this, the Lord told me to eat that for breakfast, the Lord reminded me to brush my teeth, the Lord this, the Lord that, and you go, shh, shh, enough, it's enough. Okay. In some situations, God doesn't care which school you send your kids to. You've already done a whole lot of work narrowing it down to two really great options. So you say to him, which one, A or B? And he's like, just choose. They're both great. Your kids are going to thrive in both. So, I don't know, what do you, what do you think? He's like bouncing it back to you. You choose. All right. Another interesting thing is not just indecision. I can't decide, but constantly changing our minds and needing novelty fix you know i need a, a fresh i need a fresh vision from the lord because it's been two and a half weeks you know um i need something fresh from the lord or i need to change my whole program because you know it's been three months 
you know what? Your, your big picture vision doesn't need a rethink every year. Like if you've got it right, it's an overarching picture of you for your life, for your lifetime. So what does need a refresh and an update is, um, you know, should I, should I change direction ever so slightly, Lord? Like I know I'm in the right zone, but would you like me to change one degree north? Would you like me to change one degree south? When I was, when I was studying, I nearly chucked in my degree when it was almost finished. I thought, I don't really need to finish this, actually. And I checked in with the Lord and he went, no, finish it. And I went, okay, okay. He said, I'm into completion. I want you to complete it. So, you know, if, if you, if you um, feel like something you're doing is stale, can I encourage you, just finish the project. Finish the degree. End it, you know, like carry it through and follow through and then move on. After the chapter is closed, after the thing is completed. Um, my transition from pastoring to teaching um, is, some people think it's such a dramatic change. And they come to me and go, so how is that going? It must be so different. And I go, actually, it feels pretty much the same as the work I used to do. I've learned some skills as a teaching practitioner. My classroom teaching skills are still under development. But the interpersonal stuff all day with students and parents and other teachers is exactly like what I did here. I would describe it as ministry because that's what it is. Genuine care for other people, promoting their success and their well-being at every opportunity, praying for them behind the scenes. You know, it's all the same. So I've done a, I'm still in my big picture and I've made a couple of degrees shift to the north and that's it. Like people going, well, it's a career transition. Yeah, but in terms of my life direction, there's not much of a change. Really, really subtle. Great. So we've got a big picture. We're heading that way. We're checking in, but sometimes God comes to check in with us. He initiates. Instead of us going, Lord, what should I do? He comes and goes, hey, what are you doing? This is awesome. <laughs> um, like the captain of the ship coming in and speaking to the navigator and saying, no, 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 you're off course, just two degrees that way. Yes, Captain. Nobody likes correction, particularly in Australia. You know, we like being in control. No one can tell me what to do. But, you know, I reckon that's because God created us in his image. So, you know, we're, we're like made on purpose to be the master of our own destiny. So that thing about us that likes to be in charge is a God thing, not a bad thing. But as long as we acknowledge there's only one captain of the ship above us, that's him. So, you know, if he wants to push my override button any time, I go, yep. Our answer has got to be, aye, aye, Captain. We're going with you. Um, when I went to Bible college for a year at the age of 19, it was a really, really bad move. Um, financially, it was really reckless and stupid. And halfway through my car got repossessed by debt collectors and I was cycling everywhere didn't have a penny to bless myself with being a real pain to everyone around me um when I the reason I started doing it was because my pastor said to me as a flippant 
comment in a conversation, hey, you should do Bible college. And I went, okay. And off I went and did Bible college. Oh, I thought, well, there you go. He's the man of God. He ought to know. It wasn't a one-on-one counseling session where he was really, you know, checking in with me and figuring out where I was at and, you know, giving me a proper sort of, not diagnosis, but, you know, like really getting into it with me. It was just a conversation in mixed company and he just did this flippant comment. Because I was too immature, I rushed off. And after I quit and went and got a job and started taking responsibility and paying my bills and getting rid of my debts, God took me backwards and went, now, you see what happened here? You needed to have some critical thinking about what people say to you. You know, bring, bring this out and check yourself. Talk to me and bounce it off me and check in and check yourself. Go to someone else and ask them what they think. Someone who knows you well, check, check yourself. You know, you can't let someone else decide on a whim. With a comment they didn't, he probably didn't even mean it. You know, he just, just flinging it out there. And here I am, you know, changing the course of my life and making my life hell for a week, for a year to, I don't know why. So you've just got to sort of be careful with some. I was, when I stopped, I was more aligned with God's will than when I was doing the course. How odd is that? More aligned. Because God wanted to build my character and he wanted me to take care of responsibilities and look after my family and my friends and not be a burden to them. And who would have thought that working a regular job, I'd be more aligned with his will than when I was studying the Bible full-time all day, every day, and going to Bible college and doing chapel service every morning. So it's, it's not everything for everyone. It's not an automatic yes answer. You know, you go, oh, isn't that the most holy thing you can do? Go to Bible college and become a minister. Well, it depends. Who are you? Is it right for you? Are you an accountant? If so, probably not. You won't build the church very much. The, the books will be in order, but you know, there'll be 40 people there forever. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that all just came tumbling out. That's not in my notes. I'm just saying I should come back here. Okay. Listen, God tried to correct me during the year, but I was a bit hard of hearing. I'd already decided, and I thought, this is an automatic yes. It's the most holy thing, so it must be a yes. And I was just going, la, 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 and just doing my thing. And when he finally got through to me, I finally went, oh, aye, aye, Captain. So don't wait till he finally gets through to you. Like, you know, be, be paying attention and listening. In Acts 16.6, Paul was, the, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit stopped Paul from going and preaching the word in a certain area. He wanted to take his team and go on a missionary trip. And the Holy Spirit said, eh, don't do it. Now, isn't a missionary trip the most, isn't that the gospel? Isn't that the, the point? Isn't that everything? Yes, but is the timing right? Is it you or should someone else do it? Because they're going to get better results than you. You know, it's, it's complex and you can't, there are no automatic yeses. So you really have to check in and listen for God when he's checking in with you. Awesome. And I'd just like to close with this. One last thing. So we've got our big picture vision. We're checking in and we're alert that God might be trying to check in with us and yielding when he wants to correct us just by a degree here or there. As well as being our captain, God's also a miracle worker. And it doesn't matter how far off track you think you have got, he can bring you back. It doesn't matter where you, you know, you might think this is the course and I'm way over here doesn't matter he can come up with an alternate course and bring you back he's he's the ultimate restorer and he can 
put you back in the right spot, put you back on the right track, heading in the right direction. So you could, you could have made bad choices. You could have been the person who rejected what God wanted you to do. It doesn't matter. Wherever you find yourself right now, he can come and meet you and give you the coordinates to get you back. I don't know how he does it. It's a miracle every time. He's never, his objective is never to condemn you. It's just to get you to thrive and succeed and get back on track, heading in the right direction. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our church, find us online at c3churchwatson.com.au. We hope to see you in church again this weekend.